I'm your host, Dora Vandekamp. Welcome to the Biohack Your Beauty podcast, where we take a deep dive into the world of biohacking, lifestyle, wellness, and self-development. Join me in uncovering the mysteries of beauty, anti-aging, and ultimate longevity with the experts, teachers, and guides who are leading the health revolution. Hello, beautiful ones. Welcome to an all new episode of the Biohack Your Beauty podcast. I am so very honored to have qualified life coach Hedley Dorenzi on the show today to talk about one of my favorite subjects, the law of assumption. If you're familiar with manifestation and the law of attraction, you are definitely going to want to listen to this episode. The law of assumption is, to quote Headley, the law of attraction on steroids. So we discuss how the law of assumption works, how to change beliefs you currently have to help you manifest a new reality, and what one thing creates your reality. Headley also shares how to use the law of assumption for anti-aging and beauty. So make sure to listen all the way through to the end because she gives away some really good secrets. Before we dive in, I do want to share that I am now sharing special content on TikTok and YouTube that you will not see on Instagram. So make sure to follow me there. The links are in the show notes. All right, my loves, let's go to the show. Hi, Hedley. How are you today? I'm well, Dora. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here from beautiful Australia. It is. It's been very wet here, actually. We've had the most rain I think we've ever had in probably our history. So um, it is, it is beautiful, but it is also very wet right now. And it's, it's, is it fall? For you, it or? is. We are coming into autumn. Um, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, we are in autumn. Actually, we're coming into winter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I always forget that it's different there. It but is. You it's know, the opposite. Yeah. It's funny though. I think the climate is just normally changing. I think it's always changing, and we have that too. Where we've had more rain this year in in California than I can remember having in a really long time. Yeah. Yeah, things are definitely changing and shifting and moving and, you know, we're very much on the ride. Yes, I know. (laughs) We're going to talk about that today, shifts and changes. Uh, So to start with today, I would love to just talk a little bit about your journey. You're a qualified life coach. So Mm -hmm. tell us how you got there. Well, I actually became a qualified life coach back in early 2000s when it was very uncool and it was (laughs) like a really daggy thing. Um, And, and in fact, I was a little bit embarrassed to say that I was a life coach because it was just, it was just not cool. Um, And then, so, but it was just something that I really resonated with. I've always been interested in personal development and self-development and just, you know, wanting to always, um, expand myself and expand my awareness and knowledge. So I, I went away and did the course and then I worked in corporate uh, for many years. So I was a corporate coach and um, corporate trainer for about 10 years and I was working with a lot of um, 
you know, CEOs, executives, um, managers, like just just in all different industries and it was around communication skills and just um, but then also goal setting. So I sort of, it was a, it's been an interesting journey from then because then my father passed away uh, when I was in my early thirties and that kind of did a whole big like reset. And I'd always, I'd always been a writer and I wanted to be, uh, I'd always wanted to write a book, but I just in my mind thought that writing books was for other, other people. So I, um, anyway, my father passed away and that kind of put everything in perspective that this is a finite experience and we don't have, you know, we don't have uh, infinite amounts of time. So I set about writing a book and then I became, I was writing for about 10 years. So I went from corporate to writing and just in the last couple of years, I started to question everything again. And I was really interested in end of life interestingly and I went away and studied a lot of that and then within that I actually returned to um, my life coaching and then I was like actually I really I love the end of like I love end of life but I (laughs) that sounds really weird but um, I'm actually really passionate about helping people get the most out of life while we're here Uh, so and I was studying Neville Goddard at the time and then I just decided that I wanted to just start sharing things and I started my YouTube channel just literally just I woke up one day and I just said I'm just going to record a video and put it on YouTube and then yeah it just went from there oh my gosh (laughs) I love that so much I think that's so incredible and it's I mean there's so many things unpacked there but I love just this idea of like you you had this inspiration to become a life coach and then it kind of, you know, at that time wasn't the thing that you were pursuing. And then you just came full circle, but Mm. how cool, because I'm sure in that period of time, it was like a, like a training of all these different things and experiencing all these different things that now make you an incredible life coach. Thank you so much. Do you know, you've just, you've said that exactly as I say it, because I feel like I've been in training for the last uh, couple of decades of my life for this because when I when I became a life coach I was like 23 or 24 like I didn't have a lot of life experience so it was a a really interesting you know um, it was a a, an interesting position for me to be in when I said that I was a life coach I was a bit embarrassed because I was like people were like you're only 24 and not that you know age is doesn't matter you can be you can do anything at any age there's no limits but um, I really felt like I now have the credibility that I feel I need in order to do what I'm doing. And I was also specialising in communication skills. So I was helping CEOs and, um, you know, people who do a lot of public speaking. I was helping them uh, and training them on their skills, their communication skills. And that was really interesting for me because I had a, a huge debilitating fear of public speaking when I um, started and that's how I got into that. And then so, and then the writing. So everything's kind of culminated, um, you know, so I've kind of had 10 years of training in each of these <laughs> situations yeah. where I'm now actually in the position to be able to do it all uh, myself. Um, and to, to come from a place of, um, you know, like experience and confidence that, yes, I can do this. I'm trained for this. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm talking about. And, and that feels really good. Yeah, I love that so much. And I love how you <laughs> you said it so perfectly. And it's such a testament to like trusting the journey because mm-hmm. we have this like 
I think overwhelming tendency to want everything right now. And we, if we know what we want, we want it right now. And so if things don't happen like that, then we're like, what am I doing wrong? Or why isn't it happening? But (laughs) if we kind of like look at the bigger picture and zoom out that, and I, Tony Robbins says this too. He says, you know, people underestimate what they can do. uh, I think in 10 years and they overestimate what they can do in a year. And so just like knowing that you're always on the right path is just so incredible. You're always on the right path. And it was so, you know, even knowing that though, there were really times where I was questioning things and things were really confusing and things didn't make sense and and the dots didn't join together. Um, But then, you know, that's why hindsight's. (laughs) Yeah. If only we had hindsight. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, yeah, it it is a, it's a beautiful point that we are always on the right path, even during the times where it doesn't feel like it and, and things aren't making sense. They will eventually. Yes, they will. So tell us a little bit about the law of assumption. How did you get into Neville Goddard and uh, what kind of inspired you to dive deeper? So I was always interested in uh, personal development. And I was just thinking the other day, like, when did this start for me? When did this all, I think somebody asked me the question. And I remember telling a story of when I was eight years old, I, my parents had just told me the night before that they were getting divorced and I went to school the next day and I was sitting at my desk and I was, I had the desk at the window and so I would look out at the window and at the bushes and I remember that day I was looking out the window and I was looking at the bushes and the bushes were coming in and out of existence. They were kind of moving and I remember just, I get just chills thinking about it and I couldn't get the bushes to stop moving and, and it was like, because I have experienced psychedelic, like therapeutic psychedelics. So now I understand actually what, like, that, you know, things aren't real. Things aren't solid. This is, we're living in a, um, you know, like a, (laughs) it's the reflective dimension basically. And at, at eight, I couldn't possibly understand that, but that actually set me on my path to understand the nature of reality. So I started reading everything and I, I sort of, I remember I read Miracles by Stephen Wilde at 14 and that put me on the path to really like questioning what we believe is solid and what we believe is real and because I already knew it wasn't but I didn't understand what it was or why it wasn't and then that just set me on my path to really understanding you know the, the nature of things and the nature of reality and I read a book by Wayne Dyer called oh my god do you know what I'm doing? Oh. Yeah, so many. Uh, oh, wishes fulfilled. Oh, I love that book. Wishes fulfilled. Yes. And so I read that one probably in my late teens. And in that book, he's talking. It's essentially it's a it's a love letter to Neville Goddard. You know, he he credits Neville Goddard as his spiritual mentor. But that book, as much as I loved it, completely went over my head Mm -hmm. until about a year and a half ago, where I was in a situation that was really painful and I went looking for answers and I came across some Neville Goddard teachings on YouTube and I was like oh who's this Neville Goddard person so I started researching and suddenly just everything opened up and it was like everything just suddenly started to make sense and then I realized that I'd read this book back in my 20s and you know my god isn't it amazing again coming full circle to it didn't land then but that was the setup 
And then, you know, I've done a lot of therapy. I've done a lot of courses. I've studied a lot of teachers in that time, but nothing has really landed the way Neville Goddard's Law of Assumption teachers have uh, teachings have landed. And so I went and studied all of his books, all of the videos, all of the audio, all of the lectures, which I'm actually still working my way through and literally have not read another book since uh, I started. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a, a wonderful um again culmination of everything that I've been studying over the last two decades um and I feel like it just encapsulates what I experienced back when I was eight which is you know this 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 world in which we live in it it appears to be real but it is actually not fixed and so we can work with our consciousness in order to change what we believe we're seeing and experiencing so So, incredible I love that I think it's so cool because I, I grew up very in a religious household. My dad's a minister and I was always had so many questions and just even at a young age, right. Where you're like, this doesn't make sense. Like this, I don't get this. Like, why am I seeing this? But this is what I'm supposed to believe. They don't match. Like they don't, you know, and yes. And so I had that similar experience when I discovered the law of attraction, which I, I'm more versed, uh, well-versed with Abraham Hicks, but yep. now I really, love them. Oh yes. my gosh. So they're amazing. Yeah. And so having that experience where finally being like, oh my God, this makes sense. This makes yes. sense. And then yes. everything that you have, all these questions that you have, they all fit into that puzzle. And it's just the best feeling because you're like, okay, now I can move forward, right? Instead of like waiting and and wondering, I can now take action. I can now move with confidence because I understand it. Yes. I think for me, because I felt like for many, many years, even with all the work that I was doing, I really felt like I was a victim to reality. I felt like my, I felt like, you know, I I knew that there was another way, but it just, I didn't quite get it and I didn't quite understand it and I didn't quite know how to apply it or really like affect change. And even if I did create some change, things would go back to the way they were very quickly. So I would get discouraged and, you know, I just, uh, you know, as all of us have had some difficulties in our upbringing and some experiences and traumas and, and things that have happened to us, in a way I felt like they were fixed and that was the way things are. And, and that was, you know, that was my life. That was my, that was my lot in life. And I, even with all the work that I did, just felt like a victim to my reality and that things were happening to me. And I think that's where these teachings really jump out for me, where suddenly it was like, no, I'm not a victim of my reality and I can actually affect change. And yes, there's going to be some things that I'm going to have to do and I'm going to have to persist with holding for longer periods of time than I have in the past in order to create that change so it is that feeling of like you were talking about suddenly things make sense and I'm no longer a victim to my reality or to my past Mm. which is awesome and that you can actually create change lasting change and I'm so glad you brought that up yeah I love that and I, I think this idea of like the victim thing which you you mentioned I don't know if you've ever seen the emotional guidance scale from Abraham Hicks, but yes, I have. And at the bottom, like way at the bottom, there's, mm-hmm. I think there's, there's a ton of different emotions on the yeah. positive side and then the negative side and all the way at the bottom is victimhood. 
yeah all the way at the bottom because it's, it's such a powerless feeling right to yeah. feel like you're a victim so I think it's incredible that you have now moved forward and you're feeling empowered and yes. and because of these teachings so Let's talk a little bit about Neville Goddard and mm-hmm. what does Neville Goddard teach? So he is, I actually heard somebody say, and I can't remember who said this, but because I, I was well-versed in the law of attraction as well, um, which is amazing and everything, uh, you know, everything has its place and, and it's, all, it's all fantastic. Um, but somebody said law of assumption is the law of attraction on steroids. <gasps> I <laughs> and I just it. love that. And so what Neville is doing is he's essentially translating the Bible as a metaphysical teaching rather than a historical account. Mm. And I've always been really interested in Christian Christian mysticism and Jewish mysticism as well. Um, in fact, just all kind of mysticism really. And so he's essentially translating the Bible and the stories he's essentially interpreting the symbols and the metaphors that the Bible uses because the Bible was written in the East and we in the West translate things very literally, whereas they use symbolism and, and stories and metaphors and parables. So Neville Goddard um, is just a genius at being able to translate what the symbols mean, who the characters are, what the characters represent, um, and then being able to to share what the meaning of those stories were designed to essentially, it's like a it's a um, it's a guidebook for how to navigate reality. Mm-hmm. And so it's a you know it's a profound teaching that's just been taken way out of context and 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 kind of taught as a historical account, which is not how it was designed to be written. And Neville came in. I mean, he was he this was in the 30s and 40s, and he was um, you know he was a skeptic with all of these teachings and his teacher who was Abdullah who was an Ethiopian mystic um, essentially taught Neville of the law of assumption through experience so they became friends over a period of time in New York in the 30s and you know this is this is a black man who Neville describes as black as night uh, who essentially was treated like a king in New York City in the time of segregation and where racism was very, um, you know, was a part of life there. And this is a man who essentially applied, who simply lived according to these principles that were taught in the Bible and lived like a king as a black man in New York City at this time. And Neville said he would sit, he would be, he would be greeted like royalty wherever he went. He'd get the best seats in the theatre where, you know, there was segregation where the blacks would, uh, had to sit at the back. And here's a man who would sit right front and center in front of the theater. So Neville saw all of this that this is this is a, this was a man who wasn't governed by um, other people's assumptions. So he wasn't governed by the the color of his skin, or he just saw himself as as the god of his reality and um, that whatever assumptions he held would get reflected wow. back. And Neville witnessed this, and that's that's what turned Neville into a believer. And then he studied these teachings, and then he found, and then he applied them to his own life and experienced all of these amazing things. And then he started to teach them. And then obviously, um, the rest is history. Became one of the the greatest spiritual mentors of our time. Wow! Oh my gosh! What an incredible story. Mm. So yeah, cool. he's an incredible man. Yeah, he's a he's a beautiful man, and and I think. 
the thing with Neville and as opposed to some of the um, other teachers that I have studied with, and there's nothing right or wrong, there's no judgment, it's just whatever is right for you at a particular time in your life. But with Neville, he really did not um, facilitate any guru. Um, you know, he didn't want anyone worshipping him or, or, or putting him above themselves. He really, um, he wanted people to understand their power, that they were the gods of their reality. And he was just the facilitator of these teachings and to not look at him as he was some guru or, um, you know, to some that the, he needed to be followed and bowed down to. And I really love that, that he was very humble. Uh, he was he was just a beautiful man who just who just wanted to share these teachings mm. with as many people as possible. And he was ahead of his time because he actually let people record his lectures. And now so many of those lectures are available online. And so he just, he didn't charge, he didn't like, he didn't charge entry fee into his lectures or if people wanted to ask questions, he was, he would make himself available. And so, I mean, he was ahead of his time in the sense that because of him allowing people to record his lectures, they are now available online. Wow. Oh my gosh. I'm going to have to look. Go and have a listen. And he's got this beautiful voice, um, this sort of, this very, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's just a very eloquent um, voice and tone and you just feel like you just want to kind of just snuggle up to him. <laughs> He's just such a beautiful man. I love that. But that's a huge thing. You know, when you are learning something, to have that level of respect for the teacher yeah, that's, I think that makes a huge difference. I mean, that's a really important aspect of learning. It is. One of the things that I say um, repeatedly in my videos, like you're the star of your movie. This is your show. You're the star of it. I'm just a support character. And any teacher that comes into your life is just a support character. Whereas we kind of have been taught to place teachers on pedestals and gurus on pedestals. And really when we do that, we're disempowering ourselves. But these beautiful people that have, have um, you know, been the ones to share these teachings and, and um, you know, put themselves in front of people in order to share these teachings, they really are just support characters mm. and they're, they're there to support you in your awakening uh, and returning to the God of your reality and, and the creator of your experience here on earth. They're, so we're all just support characters in each other's show. This is so great because of what it brings up for me is this idea of being in the spotlight right being the main character of your movie and you brought up putting people on pedestals and we do mm -hmm. that a lot and mm -hmm. even this idea of being the star of the show or being the star of your show is really hard for some people because it's this idea that it shouldn't be about me I shouldn't be this confident I'm not worthy of that and and even it's too conceited or people will think mm -hmm. I'm conceited or, or there's so many beliefs we have. And I think a lot of it actually may be related to uh, religion too, right? Where God is above everyone. And, and so it's just a very interesting thing to think about is this idea of you are the star of your own show and, and the other people in that show are supporting characters and they're supporting you right that's the key word yeah yes I love that it's such a it's such a key word but the thing with um you know this beautiful setup called life is that had we not set up these challenges and these assumptions um that that kind of keep us out of 
of knowing this, there's no adventure. So, so we had to set the stage of our physical experience to be in a way that we would forget who we are and, in fact, there are so many distractions that keep us away from who we are so that we could find our way back and, and have the adventure of returning to the gods of our reality and the stars of our show because if we all knew, if we all came into this physical experience knowing that we really are the cause of our reality based on what we're doing in consciousness, there's really no adventure. We know that we can have what we want. We can do what we want. Like, it's like, well, where's, where's the fun? <laughs> exactly. Like there has to be a setup. And one of the beautiful setups is this idea of, um, you know, sort of narcissism and self-indulgent that if you believe that you're the star of your show well that's like you're up yourself or you you're um you're self-absorbed and so there's all these um assumptions that we've placed in front of us to keep again part of the adventure to keep us out of our own power which is a given so there's nothing we can do about it anyway so we're all that we're always causing our reality but it it's you know it definitely took me a long time to kind of really step into this idea that this is my movie and I'm the star of it and everyone that's showing up in it is a support character that's helping me awaken and I'm doing the same for them in their movie so I'm a, I'm showing up as a support mm -hmm. character in their movie and we're all helping each other awaken to who we truly are and, and that is a beautiful thing there's there's certainly nothing um bad or wrong or self-indulgent about that I love it and it's a good reminder that the people in our lives even the ones who create challenges or who grind our gears right there's still people <laughs> like that term. who are supporting us because they're helping us awaken right <laughs> yes I did a um there was a video I did about everyone is here to help you and that's one of the the uh the principles of law of assumption and either they're helping you directly or indirectly and the ones I love that term grinding our gears I'm gonna have to borrow that <laughs> I think it's a really old-fashioned term, so oh, just beware. So <laughs> but it's, it's I feel so, like it's totally exactly how it is. Grind it your is. gears. You grind your gears. <laughs> and those who are helping us indirectly, where we that we feel like they're working against us, they're grinding our gears, they're the ones that we have the most to learn from because they're generally the ones showing us our blind spots, the parts of ourselves that we can't see. And we're all here to awaken to the gods of our reality which is that which is consciousness and in consciousness we're everything so we are that which is being reflected back in this person that we're not liking and we're like no I'm not like that well actually we are and when we bring those people in and we accept that yes those qualities exist in me then those people either shift and change or they dissolve and melt away because there's no reason for them to be there in that in that form anymore so you, you know, it's a different way of approaching life. And I find in my experience, because I'm working with this every day, it just makes life so much easier when I'm not fighting against what's showing up in front of me, including the characters. Yes, yes. And it's people who quote unquote grind our gears, but it's also <laughs> the people like we're in relationship with. So mm -hmm. our partners, our parents, maybe our children, our friends, mm -hmm. right? Our coworkers. Everybody. And yes. so I think it's really powerful to know that, especially in really close relationships, when something's showing up and you're like so upset about it, how is it that that, what is being reflected back to you, right? Like if, if that person is a mirror or if that person is you pushed out, what is that person reflecting back to you that's 
going on with you? One of the biggest lessons that, in fact, this was the lesson that brought me to Law of Assumption a couple of years ago was I met this guy and a lot of people come to these teachings due to intimate relationships because that seems to be where our most pain points tend to be. Yeah. Um, and then we go searching and looking for answers. So I had met this guy and we had, you know, I was, I hadn't been with anyone for a really long time and I'd been, um, you know, oh, no, I hadn't found these teachings yet. He was the one that got me looking for the answers because I could see the old story playing out really quickly, like immediately, and I was like, no way, like I, I can't go through this again. So I went looking for answers, found the law of assumption, and I started to apply, you know, really work with these teachings and apply it to this situation. And then this thing, this really interesting thing happened, which had never happened to me before, and that was um, he ghosted me. And I had never been ghosted before. And I was like devastated because mm. I, and I had just started applying these teachings and I was working with them. So it was really confusing because I was working on changing my story. And then, and then this happens. And, and I, it took a little while because, um, you know, I was really in the reactory kind of re reactive experience and it was very painful. And I couldn't understand how somebody could just be so there and then just so not there. And eventually um, it became, um, I had a healing session with this therapist and during the healing session, she kept saying, come back, come back, come back. And after the session, we had a chat and she said, you continually um, leave yourself. You just, you just disappear. And I had to keep bringing you back during the session. And I was like, oh my God. She was right. <laughs> He was reflecting back how I ghost myself constantly. I disassociate. And, of course, that's related to the traumas that I went through when I was younger, that I learned to disassociate. I would ghost myself and I would just continue to disappear on myself. Mm. And that, that reflection, as painful as it was to see and as confusing it was because I was like, how is this a reflection? Like it was probably the biggest game changer for me because since then I realised that, I'm the most important person in my life and I want to be with myself and I have to stay with myself and I want to be present with myself. And then when I have that relationship with myself, then my reality, including the partners and the people in my life, are going to reflect that back. Wow. So that was, that was a game changer. I realised I disappear on myself all the time and he was just simply reflecting back. And that's what everyone is always doing. And it was, it was painful, don't get me wrong, but it was liberating when you realize um you know that these partners that are in front of us especially the intimate partners are generally reflecting back the deepest darkest parts of ourselves and that's why it can be painful um yeah. because they're the parts of ourselves that we haven't ever looked at or um wanted to look at but that's why intimate relationships are very rich and beautiful and amazing and and wonderful and then also they can be very difficult at times yeah yeah it's i think some of the deepest work we do in those intimate relationships. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so then what that brings me to is talking about self-concept, which is something you've talked a lot about on your channel. And I have to tell you this because I think it's super cool. Uh, you have this free, um, it's like a journal, I think. Mm -hmm. And I downloaded it right when I oh, subscribed 
a while ago. And I loved it so much. And I made a list of all of the I am statements that you um, had us journal about. And I have the list. And I, every morning and every night, I go through every single one of those. And it's changed my life. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's changed my life. So amazing. Yeah. Oh, my God. I am so, that is just, that just makes me so happy. Well, it makes me happy. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing that. I had to share it because it was just so impactful. So um, I encourage everyone to go to Headley's YouTube channel and download the journal. I know there's a link there for that, but yeah, so incredible. So, so I'm so glad you are so welcome. And because self-concept is the, the, absolute foundation for everything because uh, from the spiritual perspective reality is the reflection of what we're doing in consciousness dominantly so um and that's that was the the issue that I realized that um with the things that I'd done in the past I hadn't held the new story long enough for my reality to catch up and reflect it back I'd sort of fall back into the old story when things you know, didn't show up the next day. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I am unworthy and I am unwanted. <laughs> you know, you, you have to hold these stories long mm-hmm. enough. And that self-concept story, that story that we have about ourselves, that I am loved, I am wanted, I am worthy, I am chosen, I'm enough. I am all, of, you know, I am beautiful. I am safe. I am secure. That story is then going to get reflected back in our um, reality of course most of us didn't have that story growing up there were experiences and things that we went through that told us that a very different story about ourselves and then we just clung on to that and we took that story of not being good enough into adulthood and so for me especially after my experience with that guy and realizing you know I disappear on myself once I realized that I came back and I just started working on self-concept and I started affirming the kind of person that I knew that I I knew that I was and wanted to be, but I wasn't yet experiencing it in my reality. So obviously now I understood that you've got to persist with the new story in order for it to become the dominant story. And once it's the dominant story, meaning once it's embedded in the subconscious, then reality will reflect back the new story. And again, that's a process in itself, but that then becomes the foundation for your manifesting journey. Once you have a really strong self-concept, you're worthy, you're deserving, you're enough, it's super easy to then manifest all the beautiful things that you want in life. If you've got this self-concept that you're not worthy, you're not deserving, and then you're trying to manifest a new house or a new lover or a new partner, (laughs) you've got this other story that's going, well, you're not worthy or deserving of this. So you, you've kind of got mixed messages and reality will always reflect back the dominant story. And that was certainly my experience. So that self-concept work is like, I do that every day. I stand up and I've got a poem that I say to myself and I just, you know, it's just, that's yeah. just who I am now. Yes. I, I, it's so cool too, because these statements that you, you share in this journal that I'm going through every day. It's just really simple. I am statements and very simple. Very simple. And so for a long time I did, I've done manifestation and I've manifested amazing things. Like I've manifested yeah, I bet you have. soulmate who is like the most divine human alive. And oh so my God. I'm so, I'm so confident in some ways, right. For, yeah. for manifesting, but I, and I always did affirmations, but they were always like, like five sentences long, you know, like this. 
And so <laughs> I feel like you kind of lose the power of mm-hmm. the statement because it's so complex and mm. how simple these I am statements are because they really are like the underlying belief, right? So like if my affirmation is like, I have this beautiful home with high ceilings and, you know, a fancy entrance way or whatever, but okay. really what, what the underlying foundation to that is I'm worthy yeah. and I'm deserving. And so yes. it's like bringing it back home almost to really make it way more powerful and transform the subconscious on a whole different level. Yes. And with the affirmations, the, like they can be, I think some people have some trouble with affirmations and what I tend to do is when I hear that people go, oh, I don't really, you know, affirmations don't really work for me. What I suggest to people is to say both, both sides of the coin. So I am worthy. I am unworthy. Mm-hmm. And what that does is that neutralizes um, the, the affirmation because oftentimes we're feeling unworthy. So we're saying I'm worthy, I'm worthy, I'm worthy. And we're kind of like trying to override the dominant story, which is I'm unworthy. And you really can't do that. You want to own and bring everything in. So I would say I am worthy, I am unworthy. And then what that does is neutralize the affirmation. Then you get to choose. Once you've owned both sides, you get to choose which side of the coin you're going to land on. So then I choose that I choose to be worthy. Mm-hmm. And then you reaffirm that. So then you say I am worthy. So you say I'm worthy, I'm unworthy. I choose to be worthy. I am worthy. Wow. And then once you say that, final statement I even feel it just then it's it drops into your body you can feel the statement just kind of like go boom and and then you're like okay now I'm now I can actually say that statement with with power and confidence because I'm not fighting anything yeah so that's um that's another tool that's really cool I think that the idea too because it's like when you say I am worthy and you're like no but then when you say I'm unworthy I'm like no you know so it's yeah. kind of like and I think the other thing is it takes a while for your yeah you, know, you to really get to a place where you believe yeah that new well, belief. you're like from from law of assumption perspective you're God meaning consciousness and within consciousness, there is everything. So there is worthiness, there's unworthiness. So essentially you have the capacity to be both because you're everything, you're God, you're, you're consciousness, you're infinite. So if we're owning both worthiness and unworthiness, we're not fighting against anything, it's a lot easier then to choose worthiness rather than rejecting uh, unworthiness. Mm-hmm. It just It just kind of makes the whole process a lot easier and then that ability to step into the I am worthy statement is just becomes a lot easier mm. uh, for the body. The body, I could just feel it when I just, I always do, when I do that, um, that, I don't know, technique, I can feel it in my body, that statement, that final statement, I am worthy just drops in mm. and it kind of sends a little vibration out. Yes. It's so good. I think <laughs> when I'm doing these affirmations in the morning, like I take like a good half an hour and Perfect. just sit with them because when you get to that place where you're like, oh my God, I'm so worthy. Like Mm -hmm. it's like a, it's like taking a drug. Like you're so in that place of like, just loving yourself. And and that's Uh, love, right? Like if we are everything and we are pure consciousness, it's Mm -hmm. just you being completely connected and immersed in everything that is, which is so incredibly beautiful. 
It's so cool. And you're so right. It feels so good. And for me, having been somebody who would disassociate from my body so much uh, and, you know, avoid myself, now what that does is that makes me want to stay with myself because it, it feels so good. You know, I'm worthy. I am loved. I'm like, of course I want to be here with myself and stay present and be available and, you know, hang out with myself because I'm so awesome. Like, I'm awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I rock. I, I have all these things. I'm so staying. I'm yes. not going anywhere. Yes. <laughs> I love that so much. So one of the things I know that might come up for listeners is like, well, how do I stay in that place all day long every day? Is that possible? How much do you want to dedicate to being in that place of like, I am worthy? So I think it's a great question and we are all very much, you know, if we're the gods in physical form, we have to acknowledge that we're human and this is an awakening process and we aren't all going to get it right all (laughs) the time. So there are going to be like, there's definitely going to be times throughout this process where things, you know, we fall back into the old story. We fall back into old ways of thinking. um, We, feel you know crap about things sometimes or there's just going to be very human moments in other words and there's nothing wrong with that it's just all part of it and especially if you're working with excuse me up leveling your story it means that you're getting rid of some old stories so they kind of have to come up to the surface and and they can feel really shitty at times and really crappy because you know I had one just come up just the other day and because reality will bring things into you to kind of bring these old stories up so that you can go, oh, hang on, I didn't, I forgot that was there. Okay, cool, I can change it, but oh, this feels really shitty and old and ew. So I had one of those come up recently and I just felt really off for like a couple of days. And I think part of this process is being very loving and very forgiving towards yourself and just very nurturing and doing whatever you need to do to get through those moments. And there are sometimes with like you're not always going to be feeling like that create like you're able to manifest or create things because you're just in this moment and and they all pass and then when you're back feeling you know good again you can get back on that manifesting journey but yeah there's going to be days where it's not always easy it's a no yeah yeah (laughs) some days it's just well and also I feel like also when things come up I don't know if you've heard of um what is it called it's there's like the genius zone and there's like your upper level. I forget what it's called, but it's basically like when your subconscious mind is making a change, mm-hmm. your brain is going to go, no, 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 no. This isn't safe. Oh, yeah. And like literally oh, yes. pile on every crappy belief that you have about yourself. And basically because it's this transformation, right? So mm-hmm. your brain is like, no, this doesn't feel right. What's going on? So it's kind of like you're getting close and sometimes this, when everything goes to shit, it's because you're so close to the next level. Yes. Yes. I actually, um, there's a term in law of assumption called purging Mm. and I experience generally when you come into these teachings and you commit to them, there's a period of excitement and like, oh my God, this is so exciting. I finally have found this thing that's going to help change and transform my life and it's amazing and there's that initial excitement. And and I don't want to affirm this for anyone, but certainly my experience was that that happened 
And then everything just turned to shit. <laughs> and it was, excuse my, I mean, excuse my language, but it was just a shit show for a good <laughs> few weeks. And I was a mess. And I'm like, what? This is like, this is not what the brochure said. Like, this is supposed to transform my life. And that's exactly what was happening because I ha- I was already starting to change my old stories and what they was bringing, they would bring them all to the surface. And then what I find now is definitely not as bad as that first one, but every time I change, I, I work on changing an, an, an old story into a new one, there's a purging process. So there's, there's, a, there's a few days or there's a period of time where I just feel really icky and off. Um, sometimes it's a physical one. I had a physical one when I moved into this new house, like my dream home that I'd manifested and I was vomiting, I had diarrhea, I wasn't sleeping for probably like the first few days. And I'm thinking, what is going on? Like I'm in my dream home. And <laughs> this and is not body... how I wanted to spend my first time here. <laughs> and I'm like, I got my head in the toilet. And I'm like, this is not what's going on. And then I realized, oh, this is just my body catching up to this new reality. And But there's also an emotional purge where you can have tears and you can have nausea and you can just... Um, be feeling really off and you know so there's definitely a period of time where you're you're up leveling and it's not always comfortable (laughs) I had that experience with my boyfriend because when we first started dating I was like no wait a second and your brain my brain was just like he's not the one these are all the things that are wrong with him because your brain is like trying to make sense of it all. And this didn't yes. make sense. This person who was like so unconditionally loving and kind and gentle. Oh I was like, this isn't right. This isn't what I'm used to. Unsafe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so your brain will tell you some crazy stuff. And absolutely so emotional purging, right? You're like, wait a second, why am I freaking out? Why am I yeah. going quote unquote crazy? But yeah, and good on you for staying with yourself during that time because you obviously recognize that this was a beautiful person in front of you and uh despite what your brain is telling you which is this it's unsafe because it's unfamiliar Mm -hmm. but then there's another part of you which is like no actually this is really good this is just stay just stay with yourself during this this uncomfortable part and then you're able to blossom into this beautiful amazing relationship that you now have yeah so good on you Thank you. Well, it's, I think it's just a testament to all of the experiences. Like we talked about when you have so much experience and Mm. for me, I've experienced like the opposite so much, like the contrast, right? The opposite Mm -hmm. of that. that. Don't you love the contrast? (laughs) contrast. So it's kind of like, I know what I have, right? I know how special this is. And sometimes we have to experience that I always think it's like a pendulum you like the farther the pendulum swings to one way the more deeply the joy will be the more beautiful everything will become because you have had the contrast like on the other Mm -hmm. side that's so beautiful and so yeah you've just said that captured that so perfectly because as, and that's the experience of life. And that's the experience I find of, of childhood traumas and abuse that people have gone, like people have gone through some horrendous things in their childhood and their upbringing, like horrendous. And of course they couldn't experience the joy and the love and the worthiness and, you know, all of those things that they 
have wanted and created for themselves had they not had that contrast. And it's not, you know, it's not pleasant, but that is the adventure of life that we set mm-hmm. these contrasts up so that we can have the experience yeah. in physical form. And so, you, yeah, you're spot awesome. on. Yes. So where does visualization and imagination come into the law of assumption? Oh my gosh, great question. <laughs> Pretty much the whole thing, it is all <laughs> just like all imagination. So we have been taught that um, reality is what's real and imagination is false in case, in some cases, a waste of time. And I'm sure many of us, certainly myself, I was always a daydreamer. Um, you know, I was always living in my imagination. And over the years, you get taught that that's a waste of time, you know, stop daydreaming, stop doing this and just come back to reality. When in fact, imagination is what is the cause of reality. And whatever we're doing in imagination dominantly is what's going to get reflected back in our day to day experience. So I say to people, spend more time in your imagination envisioning what it is that you want to experience. And then learn to and this is where these teachings can get a little tricky I don't want to affirm that but where we need to develop the muscle is to live in these visions more often than not so when reality is showing us the opposite rather than falling into believing what reality is telling us just remembering that in fact this is just an old story that's getting out pictured so what we have to do is we have to stay in our imagination, stay in these new visions that we're creating for ourselves, like live in them, like let them kind of like uh, infiltrate the cells of our body so that they become really real and where we know that, well, I know that I'm the cause of my reality and eventually my reality has to catch up to what I'm doing in imagination and just living in our imagination more, spending more time in it, colouring in our visions with our spiritual senses and like making them real, like seeing them, hearing the things that we want people to say to us, feeling the people that we want like touching us and like using all of those senses in our imagination to bring our visions to life. So they really are super important, obviously. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're everything. Yes. And it's so perfect to that you mentioned the senses because I think that's part of helping your body and your mind know that that is a safe place like the more familiar you become with it because being becoming familiar it's not just a conceptual thing right it's like Mm. an immersive experience so the more familiar you get with it and I think that's a huge part of the senses the more the easier it is to kind of move into that reality so the reason that we are are so governed by reality is because of the senses so we are living in a physical experience which is governed by the five senses but those senses are available to us in our imagination we just haven't developed them as well as we have our physical senses but the way to make something real in imagination is through those senses in imagination. So it, Neville t- talks about a story of imagining smelling a rose and practicing developing the sense of scent in imagination. And, and I did it. And I, I imagined a rose and I imagined myself smelling the rose and I just waited until I could actually smell the rose. And it was amazing. Suddenly I could smell a rose and there was no rose in my reality. Wow. It was all in imagination. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is this is what he means by developing, like living from what it is that you want rather than thinking of what you want. 
to be able to do that means you have to develop those senses in imagination. So practice being able to see what it is, like like the scene that you're in. Uh, if it's a new house, like really work with, you've got your eyes closed, but you can see every detail of the house. You can move through that house, um, you know, feel the wood against your feet if it's hard or the carpet. Um, imagine yourself having a conversation. If it's, if it's a person that you want to attract into your life, like really hear what that person is saying to you. They're saying, I choose you. I want to be with you. I'm here. Like I, I want to be with you. Like imagine hearing those words. And so, yeah, really getting familiar with those senses in imagination is super powerful. Mm, amazing. Oh, I feel like we could go on for another hour, but <laughs> so, so we have, so we have three questions that we ask yeah. all of our guests on the biohack your beauty podcast. And the first one is what is your definition of beauty? My definition of beauty has changed a lot over the years. And now it, my definition of beauty is that I'm the one who decides. Mm. I get to decide my beauty. No one else tells me I, I, I'm, if I decide I'm beautiful, I'm beautiful. If I decide I'm ugly, then I'm ugly. And then the world's going to reflect that back. So, Hey, I'm going to choose that I'm beautiful. And then I'm going to hold that story. I'm going to hold that assumption long enough for my reality to reflect it back. And it does because that's how it works. (laughs) So good. Such a good one. I love it. All right. What is your favorite inner or outer beauty tip for our listeners? My favorite beauty tip is to affirm that I am growing younger and younger every day and I am looking more and more youthful every day. And then again, holding that assumption, knowing that my reality has to reflect it back and ignoring sometimes what I might be seeing in the mirror on that particular day and just reminding myself that I am an expression of consciousness and whatever story I'm holding dominantly in consciousness is what's going to get outpictured. So if I'm affirming that I am growing younger and younger and younger dominantly, then that is what's going to get outpictured. So yeah, that's my favorite one. Uh, and then of course so I have the, the lovely eye creams and all yeah. of that. <laughs> well, they go together, you know? They do go together. Yeah, they, they go, go together. together perfectly. Yes. <laughs> I love that. Oh my gosh. I love that. And where can people find you? So I have a YouTube channel called You Are The One, uh, or you can just type in my name, Hedley Dorenzi, and I also have a website, youaretheone.com.au, that has um, all the information about me and the teachings. And, and, of course, you can just Google Neville Goddard as well, and I recommend everybody acquaint themselves with this beautiful man and these incredible teachings. And, yeah, that's where you can find me. Amazing. Thank you so much for being on the show today. It was so fun. Thank you so much for having me, Dora. I love chatting with you. You're amazing. And thank you for all of the beautiful work that you're doing and spreading all of this amazing information to your uh, wonderful listeners and the light that you emanate. So like you were just glowing. You have so much um, love and light to share. So thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you. That means so much. I really appreciate that. If you loved this episode, please give this podcast a positive review on iTunes or Spotify. It helps us spread the word about the power of holistic health and beauty, and it helps this podcast grow. 
If you share your favorite takeaways from this episode on Instagram, please make sure to tag me so I can reshare. Thank you so much for listening. Have a beautiful week.